Chapter Twenty One of Legacy by James H. Schmitz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Legacy, Chapter Twenty One. She was suddenly in a large room, well lit with elaborate furnishings, sitting leaned back in a soft chair before a highly polished little table. On the opposite side of the table two people sat looking at her with expressions of mild surprise. One of them was Lyad Emmertine, the other was a man she didn't know. The man glanced aside at Lyad. "'Very fast snapback,' he said. He looked again at Trigger. He was a small man with salt-and-pepper hair, a deeply lined face, beautiful, liquid black eyes. "'Very,' Lyad said. We must remember that. Hello, Trigger." "'Hello,' Trigger said. Her glance went once around the room and came back to Lyad's amiably observant face. Repulsive's container was nowhere around. There seemed to be nobody else in the room. An ornamental comweb stood against one wall. Two of the walls were covered with heavy hangings, and a great gold-brocaded canopy bellied from the ceiling. No doors or portals in sight. They might be camouflaged or behind those hangings. Any number of people could be in call range, and a few certainly must be watching her right now, because that small man was no rough-and-tumble type. The small man was regarding her with something like restrained amusement. "'A cool one,' he murmured. "'Very cool.' Trigger looked at him a moment, then turned her eyes back to Lyad. She didn't feel cool. She felt tense and scared cold. That was probably very bad. "'What did you want to see me about?' she asked. Lyad smiled. "'A business matter. Do you know where you are?' "'Not on your ship, First Lady.' The light amber eyes barely narrowed. But Lyad had become, at that moment, very alert. "'Why do you think so?' she asked pleasantly. "'This room,' said Trigger. "'You don't gush, I think. What was the business matter?' "'In a moment,' Lyad said. She smiled again. "'Where else might you be?' Trigger thought she could guess, but she didn't intend to. Not out loud. She shrugged. "'It's no place I want to be.' She settled back a little in her chair. Her right hand brushed the porgy-pouch. The porgy-pouch! It would have been like Emmertine to investigate the pouch carefully, take out the gun, and put the pouch back. But they might not have. Somebody was bound to be watching. She couldn't find out, not until the instant after she decided to try the Denton. "'I can believe that,' Lyad said. "'Forgive me the discourtesy of so urgent an invitation, Trigger. A quite recent event made it seem necessary. As to the business, as a start, this gentleman is Dr. Vitonia. He is an investigator of extraordinary talents along his line. At the moment he is a trifle tired because of the very long hours he worked last night." Dr. Vitonia turned his head to look at her. "'I did, First Lady. Well, that does explain this odd weariness. Did I work well?" Splendidly, Lyad assured him. You were never better, doctor. 
He nodded, smiled vaguely, and looked back at Trigger. This must go on, too, I suppose. I'm afraid it must, Lyad said. A great pity, Dr. Vitonia said. A great pity. It would have been a pleasant memory. This very cool one. The vague smile shifted in the lined face again. You are so beautiful, child, he told Trigger, in your anger and terror and despair, and above it still the gauging purpose, the strong, quick thinking. You will not give in easily. Oh, no, not easily at all. First Lady, Dr. Vitonia said plaintively, I should like to remember this one. It should be possible, I think. Small icy fingers were working up and down Trigger's spine. The Emmertine gave her a light wink. "'I'm afraid it isn't, doctor,' she said. "'There are such very important matters to be discussed. Besides, Trigger Argy and I will come to an amicable agreement very quickly.' "'No,' Dr. Vitonia's face had turned very sullen. "'No,' said Lyad. "'She will agree to nothing.' Any fool can see that. I recommend, then, a simple chemical approach. Your creatures can handle it. Drain her, throw her away. I will have nothing to do with the matter." "'Oh, but, doctor,' the Emmertine protested, "'that would be so crude, and so very uncertain. Why, we might be here for hours still.' He shook his head. Lyad smiled. She stroked the lined cheek with light fingertips. "'Have you forgotten the palace at Hamel Lake?' she asked. "'The great library? The laboratories? Haven't I been very generous?' Dr. Vitonia turned his face toward her. He smiled thoughtfully. "'Now that is true,' he admitted. "'For the moment I did forget.' He looked back at Trigger. "'The First Lady gives.' he told her, and the First Lady takes away. She has given me wealth and much leisure. She takes from me now and then a memory. Very skillfully, since she was my pupil. But still the mind must be dim by a little each time it is done." His face suddenly grew concerned. He looked at Lyad again. Two more years only,' he said. In two years I shall be free to retire, Lyad." Lyad nodded. "'That was our bargain, doctor. You know I keep bargains.' Dr. Vitonia said, "'Yes, you do. It is strange in an Emmertine. Very well. I shall do it.' He looked at Trigger's face. The black, liquid eyes blinked once or twice. She is almost certain she is being watched, he said, but she has been thinking of using the comweb. The child, I believe, is prepared to attack us at any opportune moment. He smiled. Show her first why her position is hopeless. Then we shall see. Why, it's not in the least hopeless, Lyad said. And please, feel no concern about the doctor, Trigger. His methods are quite painless and involve none of the indignities of a chemical investigation. If you are at all reasonable, we'll just sit here and talk for twenty minutes or so. 
Then you will tell me what sum you wish to have deposited for you in what bank, and you will be free to go." "'What will we talk about?' Trigger said. "'Well, for one,' said the Emmertine, "'there is that rather handsome little purse you've been carrying about lately.' "'My technicians inform me there may be some risk of damaging its contents if they attempt to force it open. We don't want that. So we'll talk a bit about the proper way of opening it." She gave Trigger her little smile. And Dr. Vitonia will verify the accuracy of any statements made on the matter. She considered. Oh, and then I shall ask a few questions. Not many. And you will answer them. It really will be quite simple. But now let me tell you why I so very much wanted to see you today. We had a guest here last night. A gentleman whom you've met, Balmorden. He was mind-blocked on some quite important subjects. And so, though the doctor and I were very patient and careful, he died in the end. But before he died, he had told me as much as I really needed to know from him. Now, with that information, she went on, and with the contents of your purse, and with another little piece of information, which you possess, I shall presently go away. On Arado, a few hours later, Trenest's ambassador will have a quiet talk with some members of the Federation Council. And that will be all, really." She smiled. No dramatic pursuit, no hue and cry. A few treaties will be considerably revised and the whole hubbub about the plasmoids will be over." She nodded. Because they can be made to work, you know, and very well. Dr. Vitonia hadn't looked away from Trigger while Lyad was speaking. He said now, "'My congratulations, First Lady. But the girl has not been convinced in the least that she should cooperate. She may hope to be rescued before the information you want can be forced from her. The Emmertine sighed. Oh, really now, Trigger! She very nearly pouted. Well, if I must explain about that to you, too, I shall. She considered a moment. Did you see your facsimile? Trigger nodded. Very briefly. Lyad smiled. How she and my other people passed in and out of that dome, and how it happened that your room guards were found unconscious and were very hurriedly taken to the medical department's contagious ward, makes an amusing little story. But it would be too long in the telling just now. Your facsimile is one of Trenest's finest actresses. She's been studying and practicing being you for months. She knows where to go and what to do in that dome to avoid contact with people who know you too intimately. If it seems that discovery is imminent, she needs only a minute by herself to turn into an entirely different personality. So hours might pass without anyone even suspecting you were gone. But on the other hand, Lyad admitted fairly, your double might be caught immediately or within minutes. She would not be conscious then and I doubt your fierce little commissioner would go to the unethical limits of dead-braining a live woman. If he did, of course, he would learn nothing from her. Let's assume, nevertheless, that for one reason and another your friends suspect me immediately and only me. At the time you were being taken from the dome, 
I was observed leaving the Grand Commerce Center. I shopped rather freely. A number of fairly large crates and so forth were loaded into my speedboat, and we were observed returning to the Aurora. Not bad, Trigger admitted. Another facsimile, I suppose. Of course. The Emmertine glanced at a small jeweled wristwatch. Now the Aurora, if my orders were being followed, and they were, dived approximately five minutes ago, unless somebody who might be your wrathful rescuers approached her before that time, in which case she dived then. In either case, the dive was seen by the Commissioner's watchers, and the proper conclusions, sooner or later, will be drawn from that." "'Supposing they dive after her and run her down,' Trigger said. "'They might. The Aurora is not an easy ship to run down in subspace, but they might. After some hours, it would be of no consequence at all, would it?' The amber eyes regarded Trigger with very little expression for a moment. How many hours or minutes do you think you could hold out here, Trigger R.G., if it became necessary to put on real pressure?" I don't know, Trigger admitted. She moistened her lips. I could give you a rather close estimate, I think, the Emmertine said. But forgive me for bringing up that matter. It was an unnecessary discourtesy. Let's assume instead that the rather clever people with whom you've been working are quite clever enough to see through all these little maneuverings. Let's assume further that they are even able to conclude immediately where you and I must be at the moment. We are, as it happens, on the Griffin, which is Belchick Pluley's outsize yacht, and which is orbiting Manon at present. This room is on a sealed level of the yacht, where Belchick's private life normally goes on undisturbed. I persuaded him two days ago to clear out this section of it for my own use. There is only one portal entry to the level, and that entry is locked and heavily guarded at the moment. There are two portal exits. One of them opens into a special lock in which there is a small speedboat of mine prepared to leave. It's a very fast boat. If there have been faster ones built in the hub, I haven't heard of them yet and it can dive directly from the lock." She smiled at Trigger. "'You have the picture now, haven't you? If your friends decide to board the Griffin, they'll be able to do it without too much argument. After all, we don't want to be blown up accidentally. But they'll have quite a time working their way into this level. If a boarding party is reported, we'll just all quietly go away together with no fuss or hurry. I guarantee that no one is going to trace or overtake that boat. You see?" Yes, Trigger said disconsolately, slumping back a little. Her right hand dropped to her lap. Well, she thought, last chance. Dr. Vitonia frowned. First, he began, Trigger slapped the porgy pouch and the Denton's soundless blast slammed the talented investigator back and over in his chair. Gun, Trigger explained unnecessarily. The Emmertine's face had turned white with shock. She flicked a glance down at the man, then looked back at Trigger. There are guns on me, too, I imagine, Trigger said. But this one goes off very easily, First Lady. It would take hardly any jolt at all. Lyad nodded slightly. 
They're no fools. They won't risk shooting. Don't worry." Her voice was careful, but quite even. A tough cookie, as the Commissioner had remarked. "'We won't bother about them at the moment,' Trigger said. "'Let's stand up together.' They stood up. "'We'll stay about five feet apart,' Trigger went on. "'I don't know if you're the gun-grabbing type.' The Ermatine almost smiled. "'I'm not,' she said. "'No point in taking chances,' Trigger said. Five feet.' She gave Dr. Vitonia a quick glance. He did look very unpleasantly dead. "'We'll go over to that comweb in a moment,' she told Lyad. "'I imagine you wouldn't have left it on open circuit.' Lyad shook her head. "'Calls go through the ship's communication office.' "'Your own people on duty there?' "'No. Pluley's. "'Will they take your orders?' "'Certainly.' "'Can they listen in?' Trigger asked. "'Not if we seal the set here.' Trigger nodded. "'You'll do the talking,' she said. "'I'll give you Commissioner Tate's personal number. Tell them to dial it. The pre-call transmitters pick up comweb circuits. Switch on the screen after the call is in. He'll want to see me. When he comes on, just tell him what's happened, where we are, what the layout is. He's to come over with a squad to get us. I won't say much, if anything. I'll just keep the gun on you. If there's any fumble, we both get it." "'There won't be any fumble, Trigger,' Lyad said. "'All right. Let's set up the rest of it before we move. After the Commissioner signs off, he'll be up here in three minutes flat, or less. How about this ship's officers? Do they take your orders, too?' "'With the obvious exception of yourself.' Lyad said, "'Everyone on the Griffin takes my orders at the moment.' "'Then just tell whoever's in charge of the yacht to let the squad in before there's any shooting. The Commissioner can get awfully short-tempered. Then get the guards away from that entry portal. That's for their own good.' The Emmertine nodded. "'Will do. All right. That covers it, I think.' They looked at each other for a moment. With the information you got from Belmorden, Trigger remarked, you should still be able to make a very good dicker with the Council, First Lady. I understand they're very eager to get the plasmoid mess straightened out quietly. Lyad lifted one shoulder in a brief shrug. Perhaps, she said. Let's move, said Trigger. They walked toward the comweb rather edgily, not very fast, not very slow. Trigger four or five steps behind. There had been no sound from the walls and no other sign of what must be very considerable excitement nearby. Trigger's spine kept tingling. A needle-beam and a good marksman could pluck away the Denton and her hand along with it, without much real risk to Amertine. But probably even the smallest of risks was more than the Treness people would be willing to take when the First Lady's person was involved. Lyad reached the comweb and stopped. Trigger stopped, too, five feet away. "'Go ahead,' she said quietly. Lyad turned to face her. "'Let me make one last—well, call it an appeal,' she said. "'Don't be an over-ethical fool, Trigger R.G. The arrangement I've planned will do no harm to anybody. Come in with me, and you can write your own ticket for the rest of your life.' No ticket, Trigger said. 
She waggled the denton slightly. Go ahead. You can talk to the Council later. Lyad shrugged resignedly, turned again, and reached toward the comweb. Trigger might have relaxed just a trifle at that moment. Or perhaps there was some other cue that Pilly could pick up. There came no sound from the ceiling canopy. What she caught was a sense of something moving above her. Then the great golden bulk landed with a terrifying lightness on the thick carpet between Lyad and herself. The eyeless nightmare head wasn't three feet from her own. The lights in the room went out. Trigger flung herself backwards, rolled six feet to one side, stood up, backed away, and stopped again. End of chapter 21